Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, how about that for a weekend of sports? That weekend went just about as well as Jazz fans could have hoped. Started Friday night with the Jazz and the Nuggets. That was an intense game right from the get-go. I think the 40-point first quarters were a little out of control. And they made, uh, they made Quinn Snyder a little nervous. But the Jazz defensively limited to Denver to fewer points in every quarter than they did the previous quarter. You know, they had the 40-point first quarter, brought it down in the second, brought it down in the third. And by the fourth quarter, it's like a 20-point quarter. They basically cut them in half. And the Jazz come back and get the win, 127-120. The 77 points in the first half was just way too many. Off the charts, way too high. But to hold the Nuggets to 47 points in the second half, that was impressive. Uh, there were so many cool things about the game. Boyan Bogdanovich, his career-high 48 points. The up-and-under move, I think it was in the third quarter with something. Um, spinning the ball up high, and it kisses the glass, and English takes it in. That was a pretty hoop. He was hot right from the start. Hit the big three in the fourth quarter, which was really timely. They really needed it. And uh, set his career high, so there was that. Defensively, though, signature play. Jokic into the paint, the presumptive MVP for a hook shot, which is the hardest shot to block, and Rudy goes up and gets it just as he's getting ready to leave his hand. That was impressive. And the Jazz went down to the other end and hit a three. I don't know if it was Niang or Clarkson, somebody hit it. But anyway, the Jazz, that was, that was a great win. So they beat the Nuggets, the team that knocked them out of the playoffs. They have won two out of three head-to-head with the Nuggets this year. If the Nuggets end up being the fourth seed, and if they end up meeting in the second round, then uh, you know it's a little bit of confidence to go off of. You you beat them, and you didn't have Donovan Mitchell, and you didn't have Mike Conley, and you still got the win. Obviously, Joe Ingles continues to play well. A lot of guys are playing well right now, and that's why they're able to win without Conley and without Mitchell. Um, they backed it up Saturday. They got the win. You knew it couldn't be as crisp. There was too much emotion. There was bound to be a little bit of a hangover. Uh, but they got through it, so it didn't matter. So they won. They got their wins back-to-back and took care of business. And they go into Sunday a game and a half up on the Suns, and the Suns lose to the Lakers. Amazing. Never expected it to happen. Really expected that the Suns were going to win that game convincingly when I saw Kuzma was out. LeBron was already out. Dennis Schroeder's out. Now Kuzma, you're down three starters. You're down your star player. And the Lakers started fast and had an early lead and never let up. Uh, They were up by 21 going to the fourth quarter, and Phoenix did make a run, and they got it down to single digits. But they couldn't take the lead. Lakers hold them off. Lakers get the win. AD was huge. 42 points. He was uh, trying to post up like 20 feet from the hoop and just spun out of it and got an alley-oop early in the game. And after that, he was on his way, and he just kept hitting shots. Threes, inside, tip-ins, Easy, you know, bunnies inside of two feet and uh, a lot of free throws. And AD carried him. He had a he had a big game. I thought Caruso played pretty well. I didn't get to see the whole game because they didn't for Target Sports, but the portions I saw, I thought he was good. And uh, man, you got to give it to the Lakers. Contavious Caldwell Pope hit some shots for him. The Lakers beat the Suns and do the Jazz a huge favor. Whether you wanted it or not, Jazz fans, I know you love to hate the Lakers. The freaking Lakers. I hate the freaking Lakers, Locke said. And, uh, you know, Laker fans are certainly annoying getting all geared up and coming to the arena. That always does it. Whenever a fan base is on the road and shows up in real numbers, it's annoying. 
Growing up in San Diego, BYU fans got under everybody's skin. Moved here, found out BYU was getting under everybody's skin all around the conference. They want all the time. The fans show up. They cheer and celebrate in your building. Yeah, you hate that. You hate that. And fans hate it when the Lakers do it. They certainly hate it here, and I'm sure they hate it in Portland and Phoenix. And I worked in Sacramento, and I know they loathe the Lakers there. But for one night, you had to root for them. It was best for the Jazz. And so sure enough, they get the win, and it does all kinds of things to the playoff race. First, the obvious. The Suns are now two games back with four to go. They've got the tiebreaker, but any combination of three Jazz wins and Suns losses, and the Jazz are the one seed and have the best record in the NBA. Jazz just have to win three out of four. And if the Suns stumble again, the Jazz only have to go two and two. And when you've got the Thunder and the Kings at the end of the schedule, boy, that ought to be two wins right there. You need to beat those teams. Uh, Warriors tonight in Golden State, and the Jazz have uh, won... Um, let's see, they, now I've forgotten. I, I looked this up last night for Talking Sports. Uh, they beat the Warriors twice this year. Uh, they got the Warriors twice. That was it. And then they play... Um, no, excuse me. They split with the Warriors. I'll get it right. They split with the Warriors. They beat them early in the year when they were playing well as part of their 11-game win streak. And then they lost to them uh, right after the All-Star break to kick off a five-game road trip. Uh, and that's that stretch where the Jazz went 5-5 five and five over 10 games. They played 9 out of 10 on the road going into the break and coming out. And they lost there. Uh, so... And the Warriors are a team the Jazz could see as a one seed. The Warriors could be the eight. Right now, they're sitting in the eight spot. Obviously, they'll have a chance to play their way either up or down in the play-in tournament, which it looks like they'll be part of for sure. Um, and so then the Jazz get the uh, the Blazers that they've blown out twice, and that'll be the final regular season home game. That's on, uh, on Wednesday night. So Jazz ought to be the one seed now. I mean, the path is clear. The road is obvious. They got to win three out of four, and that really means they got to split these next two, and then they got to beat the two teams that have already been eliminated from the playoff race. Those those are clearly must-win games. And if the Jazz could just keep this win streak going and wrap it up Friday, well, all the better, right? All the better. Um, so the other thing the Lakers win does is it. Theoretically, the Lakers still have a chance to get to six, and Portland has a difficult schedule. Oh, so do the Lakers, and the Lakers don't win the tiebreaker. Um, Portland does should beat Houston tonight. After that, they have uh, difficult games. They play the um, they play the Jazz, they play the Suns, and they play the Denver Nuggets. That's a rough schedule for Portland down the stretch. I still think Dallas will be five, Portland six, Lakers seven, and then if the Warriors stay in the eighth spot, they're only half game in front of Memphis. You get Lakers Warriors, winner gets seven. I don't think the Jazz are going to end up playing Lakers in the first round. I would think the Lakers want. And I'm assuming that LeBron is healthy. Um, I would assume that LeBron would want to win and not mess around with uh, another game that could get you eliminated from the playoffs. So, and you never know, though. Steph Curry could go crazy, and despite LeBron's best efforts, and you know, it may be tough for the uh, the Lakers to get everybody on the same page in rhythm uh, when guys have been out so long. So. It's, uh, it's right there for the take and for the Jazz, the top spot, and then we'll see who gets eight. The eighth-place team uh, can literally be any of the four playing teams. <laughs> so it could be the Blazers if they slip. It could be the Lakers. It could be the Warriors, the Grizzlies, or the Spurs. we got a week to go, and there's still five teams it could be. But home court, 
best record, it's all there for the take and for the Jazz. If they win out, they will have, by win percentage, they will have the third best record in franchise history. The 97 team that won 64 games has the best record, and the 98 team that won 62 second best, and then it'd be this team. It's going to be close between this and the 99, another shortened season, than when they only played 50 games because they had labor, labor uh, issues, had a lockout. Um, it's to be the third and fourth best teams in Jazz history. But uh, this Jazz team, man, just just crushing it down the stretch. Just putting that, that Denver win. That was something. That was the way to kick off the weekend. That was a really good win. thought they played a really high level of basketball there. So, good weekend. All right, we're going to take a break when we come back. the uh, You know, there's a theory out there that the bubble – um, had a big impact on this season, even though it was last season, the short turnaround. The four teams that got to conference finals have all had struggles and injuries. No team stories are the same, but none of them are good, right? Denver lost Jamal Murray. Uh, the Lakers haven't had an injury that bad, but they lost AD for a long time. Now they're missing LeBron. Uh, certainly Miami uh, has had its issues. It just goes on and on. So uh, we'll get to that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Ben Golliver from the Washington Post joined us Friday. He's got a book out all about the bubble. He lived in the bubble. He lived it. Um, you know, what the NBA did to make that season happen, what they learned, how it's impacted this season. Here's Ben Golliver with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ, PK, and Ben Golliver joining us, national NBA writer for the Washington Post and author of Bubble Ball. Ben, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. So I'm uh, I'm intrigued. You're writing a book very quickly after something happened, and sometimes you want more perspective than that, but then I guess there's the advantage of fresh details. There was a lot of reporting on this at the time. Given a few more weeks and a few more months to dig stuff up, are you able to tell us stuff that we didn't know, stuff that's come to light? Well, I was in the bubble for 93 days, and so I wanted to take you in there with me. So this isn't about going to try to find some alternate source of everything. I mean, I want to take you right there. And so for me, it was an all-in experience. Um, It was incredibly challenging, and I think it was covered thoroughly, and rightfully so. But I think you'll be amazed as you're looking back how many of the things slipped between the cracks. And this isn't just really a basketball story. I mean, it's a public health story. I mean, it's an NBA history story. I think it's also a social justice and political story. And then uh, on top of all of that, you have the business story where the NBA is, you know, facing you know, potential billions in losses and trying to fill in the gaps. And so I think there's a lot going on for me. This is kind of my memoir from the shutdown until the championship uh, celebration when LeBron sprayed me with champagne. And there's an awful lot in there. And I think there's a bunch of stuff that people haven't heard. So there was a lot of things that went on last year inside the bubble. And at that point, sports, we'd had some sports, golf, baseball was about to start up. How, was, how important was it just for uh, the progression of the country that the bubble actually came off the way it did? I think it was a major turning point. Look, we were all coming out of the pandemic at that point, or I guess two or three months into it, thinking like, will this thing ever end? 
Are government bodies going to be loosening things up? You know, what's the right way for businesses to get back to work and bring employees back? These were major ethical questions. And we kind of needed some hope for for the sporting environment to be like, hey, we're not going to just be shut down here for a year. I mean, I remember going in the bubble thinking, you know, if this doesn't work, it could be what, you know, six months, nine months, 12 months for this uh, thing shakes out. So I guess for me, when I look back on it, uh, it's remarkable how well it worked. The rules were so strict. We had four levels of security out there. We had to wear proximity alarms around our necks to make sure that we weren't too close to each other. We had electronic, uh, you know, bracelets essentially to get into our rooms that tracked us around the campus. I mean, all sorts of different things to make sure that the rules were upheld. Of course, we had to wear masks the entire time we were there. And I think if you put all those things together, it made for a strict environment and it made for a stable environment from a basketball standpoint. And that's really what mattered. They were able to play the games, crown a champion. And I think that was really the legacy of the bubble was the, was the great success of having these incredible players on the court uh, playing steady, fascinating basketball, including Utah Jazz versus Denver Nuggets in an unforgettable first-round series. I mean, to me, those are the things that I look back on, and I, I point to the rules and say the rules made those things happen. So unique problems brought on unique solutions, but how many of them were a one-time deal, and how many things that happened in the bubble does the NBA embrace going forward, and we see embedded in the game you know, five years down the road? Well, yeah, I think the solutions were so thorough. In some cases, they turned people off, right? I mean, the life was so hard there in the bubble in terms of just what we were dealing with on a daily basis, kind of the big brother aspect, and then also the isolation aspect. Now, when it came time to choose for this season, you know, they went the other way on a lot of these things, right? They didn't want people to go back to a bubble. You know, three months was plenty for all the players. And also from a financial standpoint, I think the owner said, look, like, It was great that we were able to put these games on television, but there's a lot of other revenue streams out there, you know, potentially fans in stands, even if it's at a a smaller number, trying to get the revenue, the, um, you know, the memorabilia numbers back up if you're bringing people into your building. And so there there was a real push, I think, to um, almost treat the bubble as a a once in a lifetime experience if they could. And, you know, I think that, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to that. I mean, in the bubble, we had very stable gameplay, the lineups, you know, you saw guys out there almost every single night. Um, and, and the challenging part was, okay, well, you're away from your family and your kids. I think on the flip side, um, this season we've seen total instability, especially in, in January where you have lots of positive tests. You have guys in and out of the lineups. You have these contact tracing absences where guys are missing teams, but uh, are, are sorry, missing games, but they're not even necessarily sick. And, you know, it kind of creates this disrupted schedule. Um, you know, I think that ultimately as we get through this vaccine process, you know, the NBA strategy here of not going back to a bubble it looks okay because, you know, we've had way fewer positive tests over the last month and a half. As you're heading into the playoffs, you're seeing guys uh, get back healthy on the court and, you know, uh, have more time with each other, kind of build up chemistry and camaraderie on the court. And so I think, you know, it's going to kind of be a best of, of both worlds where you're able to have the players out there most of the time and you're able to have fans and stands. And that's kind of what people would want. But I don't think there was a lot of motivation to do it again. I think it was so hard and so many sacrifices from all the different parties that nobody necessarily wanted, uh, you know, kind of a bubble part two. You think the basketball itself was better? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think the quality of play this year has been way low uh, compared to the bubble, in part because of the, the injury absences and the, the health and safety absences. 
and also the travel. Look, that was the best part about the bubble was I didn't have to go anywhere. Look, I went to every single playoff game from the second round on. I didn't miss a single one because they were all in the same place. I could get to them really easily. The referees love the no travel. The players love the no travel. Um, you know, even if you're in a situation where just like you're down 2-0, right, and like you've got to have that long flight to the other city because you've got to think about it. I mean, that didn't exist, you know, within a playoff series. You could kind of just refocus after every game. And so – um, you know, to me, I think that made for a much steadier product. The shooters got adjusted to these gyms. Um, you know, you saw, you know, some really incredible scoring performances. Donovan Mitchell, uh, Jamal Murray, you know, J- uh, Jimmy Butler with the Miami Heat, Anthony Davis. I mean, some of these guys got into incredible grooves in the postseason. And I attribute that to just the, the single site location. I mean, I came away from it hoping like someday in the distant future, they kind of do what the Super Bowl does and go to one really fun market and just stay there for a couple of weeks and have like a, a two week long party where you've got this uh, you know, single site NBA finals, you know, maybe it's London, maybe it's Miami, whatever it might be. And, and, and kind of turn that into a celebration of the sport. I'm not sure they're ever going to do it, but you know, for this one time experiment, it worked out great. So one playoff, uh, one season of playoffs can kind of inform the next. The Lakers are the defending champs, courtesy of the bubble. Uh, when you look at this year, whether it's, there's so many health questions going in this playoff, but how do you look at this playoffs based on what you saw a year ago? Jamal Murray's hurt, so he won't do those 50-point games. Is Donovan Mitchell likely to with his uh, confidence that he got from last year's playoffs? What do you think? Well, I look at this season kind of as the bubble hangover, right? I mean, you look at all the teams that went deep, whether it's the Lakers, the Heat, the Celtics, the Nuggets. I mean, all those teams have had some challenges this year as they pull themselves together, either from a health standpoint or from just a, a fatigue and overloaded work standpoint. And so I, what I think that does, it opens up the field wide. Now, usually I would say, hey, there's three or four teams in a given year that have a chance to win the title. I think this year it's up to like eight or nine. I mean, this is one of the most wide open years I can remember. Now, that may narrow if some of these stars come back and, and they're completely healthy, right? You look at a guy like James Harden, he's a massive X factor in that Eastern Conference. If he's back and fully healthy, the whole landscape uh, changes. But I think that's really the story heading into these playoffs. It's kind of anybody's bet. You've got a bunch of new blood, whether it's the Utah Jazz, the Phoenix Suns. You can go right down the list of these teams that are going to be in the mix and that maybe weren't true title contenders in years past. I think that's going to make it more fun, more entertaining, more exciting, and certainly it's more unpredictable. I mean, this is the the hardest year to pick a champion we've had in a while. How about to pick an MVP? Is it Jokic in your mind? Yeah, that one's done. I mean, that's, that's open and shut as easy as it gets. I mean, he's earned it from the consistency factor, and it's just been complete brilliance. He's been so good, I think we actually have to open it up and ask, you know, is he in the conversation as just like best basketball player, period, right? And that title is going to be open here because of LeBron's injury and, and just him missing time this year. That title's been LeBron's for an awful long time. Guys like Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis, Steph Curry, they're always kind of in the mix to, to wear the crown to sit on the throne. But I actually think Jokic deserves some love, too. He is so good at making his teammates better, putting them in position to succeed. He's become an unbelievable scoring threat, even though he's kind of a pass-first player. He's got that beautiful jump shot, turnaround, um, you know, silky shot. He can step out and hit the three-pointer now. He's got every post move you could possibly want. And he's the best passing center ever, I mean, period. And I think that he's moved past guys like Arvita Sabonis and Bill Walton in terms of the types of passes he can make, how he can read defenses, and how he can bring the ball up the court. I think it's open and shut for him for MVP, and I think he's even potentially headed for bigger things. What I love about him, he's super clutch. Like, you get him into the playoffs, he takes his game up a notch. He doesn't shrink from the moment. 
We saw that last year against the Clippers in the second round, and you know I'm expecting that to see that again this year. You know, if they face the Lakers, say in the first round, and the the Lakers are all banged up, I, I would not count out Jokic just because Murray's injured. You know, don't don't say oh that team is done. I mean, they've still got a lot of talent left, and it starts with the big guy. So last thing before we let you go, the question in every market is, can our team do it? Can they win it all in what you just labeled this wide-open season? Can the Jazz do it? And if not, who takes them down? Of course they can do it, yes. I mean, you look at uh, their resume this year. I mean, they've been not only best record, but most dominant. You know, you look at the point differential stuff, which is often an indicator of which teams are going to go deep in the playoffs in terms of how much are you winning each game by. And they have been, you know, smoking everybody in that that statistic. And, you know, they've had a number of big-time double-digit victories, blowout wins. And, again, that just speaks to the, the ceiling on their offense. It's been unbelievable to watch them move the ball hit the three-point shot, play unselfishly, and play disciplined. It reminds me a little bit of the 2014 Spurs, and you know, I, I think that's uh, you know, probably their model, their hope, is that they're going to be a team that kind of uh, is one of those you know, five fingers makes a fist type teams where they're, they're, uh, you know, they're better than the sum of their parts. Um, but a lot of teams are going to be able to you know, go heads up against them. Look, the Lakers and Clippers have positional matchups with the, the forward positions. I know the Jazz have had dogfights with the Sun, seems like, every time they play this year. So I don't think it's going to be anyone coasting through this Western Conference. It's going to be an absolute bloodbath. But the Jazz have to be in the mix. And if the Lakers aren't healthy, you could even potentially talk me into saying, you know, the Jazz are the favorites to come out of the West. And Right now, the clock is ticking big time on LeBron and Anthony Davis in terms of getting them healthy and up to speed. And so, you know, if if the Jazz aren't the favorites to me in the West, they're right there. Ben, we appreciate the time. Good luck with the book. Author of Bubble Ball, National NBA writer for the Washington Post, Ben Golliver joining us. Thanks, Ben. All right, thank you. This is Ben Golliver from the Washington Post. He's got his new book out on uh, life in the bubble. So if you're a hardcore NBA fan, something you might want to check out. When we come back, for all you hardcore jazz fans, the best of the postgame show is the jazz pick up another win Saturday night. Big win. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, the Jazz pick up wins Friday and Saturday. Great weekend for the Jazz. And what they didn't know is they did the best of the postgame show Saturday night was that the Suns were going to lose the Lakers Sunday. So the Jazz go into the final week of the season with a two-game lead with four games to go. They don't have the tiebreaker, but if they go 4-0 or 3-1, they won't need it. So... The path has been cleared for the Jazz after the Suns lost to the Lakers. All right, Jazz win Saturday. Let's get to the best of the postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz beat the Rockets on Saturday 124 to 116. The Jazz have now won 50 games on the season, and they've ensured themselves a top two seed in the Western Conference. The Jazz were led by George Yang, who tied his career high with 24 points. Jordan Clarkson had 21 coming in off the bench. Boyan Bogdanovich had uh, 20 points in the win as well. Let's get some postgame 
post-game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. We'll go with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. It seemed like there were kind of long stretches where the offense wasn't as precise as maybe you wanted it to be and the transition defense was not executing. Um, obviously, you, you weren't really ever in a ton of danger, but how do you feel about kind of the execution overall tonight? Well, you know, we knew tonight it was going to be, you know, the type of the game as it was where that um, they're going to run and they're going to play hard. And, you know, you, you mentioned a couple of things that I think were true. Um, but I think we also, you know, I, I, I like that we dug in, particularly at the beginning of the game and the beginning of the third quarter. And then, you know, it, 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 sometimes it's emotional, it's mental and it's physical. And, you know, I think it'll be good for us. This is our last back-to-back. Um you know, when a team is, you know, playing as small as they are and they're athletic and they're switching one through five pick and roll, I thought it was a you know opportunity for us to get better against playing against that defense. And um, that can make you stagnant, um, particularly if you're not running. And to the extent that when we got to continue to get out and transition, um, you know, that's our that can be our best offense, you know, but I think I said the third quarter, giving up a 23 point quarter was, I don't know, out of, out of halftime, you know, I, I thought that was really good. And then we just would, you know, you, you get a lead, you, you let up a little bit and it's human nature. Um, but I thought we did a really good job fighting it, particularly on the heels of a really emotional game last night. Next up, Tony Jones, the athletic. Wanted to uh, to ask you about that switching defense. Um, you know, you said it was a, a good chance to to play against uh, to play against that. I mean, is it even a better chance to play against that when you don't have Mike and you don't have Donovan, who are two two of your more dynamic isolation guys, and to kind of force uh, some guys who wouldn't normally be in that position to kind of step out of their comfort zone off the dribble a little bit. Um, yes. And also, you know, I, I think if someone, first of all, we, we've seen, we've seen one through five black a lot this year. Um, you know, usually not with the team, as I said, it's as small and as quick as they are. Um, but actually, you know, I mentioned the transition defense. The thing that, that people want is for you to fall into isolation and, you know, if you feel like you have a matchup, um, it, it's isolation in the sense that um, you can create. And it doesn't always mean you're you're creating a shot for yourself. And, you know, that that's one of the things we've been able to do. And if you run, um, you know, we talk about attacking, switching um, by attacking initially, you know, and then there's an after action. But the initial action is where, you know, I, I thought that we got better during the course of the game. And, you know, it's hard to roll, you know, if 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 it's that physical, you know, and, and that's something, you know, that, that impacts um, the game, you know, and our, our bigs being able to roll and roll cleanly um, or roll quickly. And, you know, there's things we can do against that. But oftentimes when the game's like that, um, you just got to move it. And if you move it side to side, you get a chance to, to drive closeouts and in isolation, if you, you go by somebody, there's a good chance, you know, because they're shifted so much, you're going to get, 
you know, another opportunity. I thought George did a really good job of that tonight, you know, being ready to shoot. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of little things in that. I mean, I think every time we used a ball fake, um, we got something good every time we, you know, just fundamental stuff. When we pivoted in the lane, we were able to find people. So, um, yes, you know, Donovan and Mike, you know, their quickness and ability to get by is, you know, obviously really important to us. Um, but I think, you know, we all, um, can understand how we want to attack that defense too. And you don't, you know, you don't get to do that unless you see it. So our ability to recognize, you know, switching, blitzing, bigs that are dropped at the rim, teams that are pulling in from the three-point line, teams that are staying with shooters, all that in the half court is negated if we're able to run. Last question, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, you mentioned it is the last back-to-back for your team. How fatigued do you think you guys are right now? And, uh, you know, to what extent did the additional, uh, I guess, effort given by Joe Ingles, Bogey, without Donovan and Mike kind of add to that? Well, you know, Bogey being as aggressive, you know, as he's been, you know, obviously coming off last night. And, you know, I thought, you know, Trent's – Trent hasn't been with us long. He's a rookie. You know, he's absorbing minutes. And, you know, in Joe's case, you know, we, we've tried to manage it. Um, but it's it's towards the end of the year where I think, you know, fatigue is real. Um, but, again, it's it's the nature of, of this season. And, you know, we'll do as good a job as we can trying to get rest and, you know, take opportunities when, when we can. I, like I said, I think – you know, I think it's also emotional and mental. And when you get fatigued, you, you know, you fight, fight all that stuff. So good opportunity for us to, you know, get the back-to-backs behind us right now. And, you know, we also will have, you know, a good chance to, I think, um, recuperate before, you know, we get into the playoffs. You know, we've qualified and all that, as everyone knows. So the way the playoff format is at this year, we also have a chance to hopefully get fresh. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. His team comes away with their 50th win on the season, uh, 124 to 116 over the Houston Rockets. Let's now hear from the players. Uh, let's now hear from George, uh, excuse me, Joe Ingles. All right, we'll go ahead and get started here. We'll start with Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Joe, that was the last back-to-back of the season. Kind of how fatigued are you feeling right now? Uh, I'm not too bad. Um, obviously, we've the, 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 a few of us have played a little bit more. Um, obviously, with with start with the guy, the Donovan and, and Mike out, so. Um, no, not, not too bad. Um, would have been nice to keep the lead for a bit longer and, um, get out a little earlier. Um, but they're, they're a team that, that plays extremely hard for 48 minutes. And, um, we gave up some, I gave up some, some turnovers at the end there, but, um, yeah, no, not, not too bad. I mean, we've, I don't even know how many we've got left, but only a few left here and, um, we just want to obviously keep getting better, um, keep playing the way we want to play, heading into to the playoffs now. Next up, Matthew Coles, AP. How important was it for you to get George's offense tonight? He was uh, good on some of those bully ball and then also on the threes. If you want my honest opinion, I didn't think about George one time heading into the game. Um, I mean, he he plays the right way regardless of – like if he's starting or playing his regular role in um, coming off the bench. Um, uh, I think this, this last 
week or two, whatever it's been. Obviously, I mean, he's always confident. I don't want to say he's not confident, but just just being out there a bit more, um, getting some more opportunity, and he's he's taken advantage of it. So um, it, it makes it easier for myself and JC and Boyan when we're creating when then they don't want to leave George basically wherever he is on the floor. So um, he, he's been making those shots, and then he he's got better and better at that uh, that kind of go and catch and, and getting on the rim and finishing. So. Um, but honestly, I yeah, I didn't think about him one time. Penny, I, I know, I know he's going to be in the right spot at the right time. Um, I know if I get in the lane and I keep to the corner, he's going to be somewhere in that in that area, and he'll definitely shoot it. So it's a uh, it's a it's a good look for us um, when he's out there playing like that with confidence. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. So you mentioned that you know there were some. It would have been nice to have the lead longer to extend it out a little bit. Um, some guys wind up playing some extra minutes as a result. How do you feel about the execution overall? Just obviously you guys are on the second night of a back-to-back. Last night was kind of an emotional win. Uh, how much do you worry about those little execution issues on a night like tonight, given those circumstances? Um, I mean, I'm not going to disrespect or discredit what they did tonight either. Like they, they – Play, like I said, they play extremely hard. Obviously, they're in a tough position. I think that's seven guys suit up or something, maybe eight. Um, some young guys. Obviously, a lot of their main guys were out tonight. Um, like, yeah, there's, there's things we can we can do better and fix. But um, uh, part of it too is, like I said, they, they play they play hard as hell. Um, they're some guys are probably I don't know if they're contracted. They're, they're playing for contracts. They're playing for jobs and and. Coach Silas and, and his group's got him got him playing the right way and playing extremely hard. So um, you can't obviously discredit anything they've done, but um, yeah, I mean it was we had a like you said a, a good win last night. Um, I, I think tonight was a, a good win too. We first time in a little time we've played against a, a kind of that real kind of switching where they've just purely switched one through five basically throughout the game. Um, I think we got better as the game went on until those last few minutes where they, they hit a few threes. We had a few turnovers. Uh, um, if I'm a bit better with the ball, we probably don't have to worry about it. You probably wouldn't even have that question to be honest. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a good win. They were both two, two good wins in a row. Um, again, we'll go and, We'll go and watch film, no doubt, and um, and get ready for the next one. All right. Last question from Maxime Lagorge, the free agent out of France. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do you explain the different difficulties at the beginning of every game? You, you always have troubles in defense at the beginning of the game. Uh, I thought we were really good at it. We we're up 15 in the first quarter. Um I thought we started off really well. Um, we executed against their switching defense, um, which we obviously talked and, and planned about. And we probably executed better than we, we we thought we would, but we we, we got a good lead at the start there. And uh, like I said, they 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 play hard. They figured th- things out. Um, I mean, they shot fifty something threes last game. I don't know what they shot tonight, but it felt like a lot. Um, and they made a lot. Uh, I think the third, start of the third quarter, we came out the right way <coughs> um, and got a bit of a lead and then we're able to kind of break it open a little bit. But um, yeah, we've, like I said, we've, we've just got to keep 
keep getting better and better as the, the year, well, as the year kind of winds down now and um, get ready, recover, get ready for the next one. And um, yeah, that's about it. There's Joe Ingles. Joe is typical good sell, 14.7 assists and uh, six rebounds as the Jazz come away with win over the Rockets. Let's now hear from George Niang. Uh, we'll have our first question from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, George. So um, tonight was your guys' last back-to-back set of the season. Um, probably wound up having to play maybe a few more minutes than you would have expected just given, you know, how much the Rockets were able to stay in it. Uh, what's kind of the general fatigue level at right now and um, how much does that factor into, you know, some of the execution issues that you guys had tonight? Uh, you know, after an emotional night uh, like last night, you know, these are what we call an NBA trap game. So whenever you can get out of it and win, I think you, you try just to, look at the next day, um, you know, get your rest. Um, when you travel, you know, get your recovery. And obviously we have a big game coming up against the Warriors. Um, obviously you could tell with how we were playing, we were um, fatigued, but, you know, we pushed through. Guys are, you know, working really hard and it's the end of the year. And But I think at the end of the day, we, we have an end goal in mind. And that's obviously to be number one, not at the end of the season and at the end of the playoffs. And, and that's our goal. Next up, Sarah Todd, Deseret News. George, we uh, we see Mike and Don on the sidelines and everything, but I'm just wondering kind of what their mood has been. Obviously, I guess that they you know they wish they could be out there, but what it, have they been in high spirits while they've been out, and what's been the situation? I mean, they're well rested. They have a lot of energy running around the facility and during games, so their spirits have been great. I mean, you're talking about two of you know stand-up guys in the NBA. So those guys, they, they're not like me where, you know, I'm up, down, up, down. They're, they're just steady, high energy, uh, you know, great vibes, um, a lot of positive energy, and that's what we need. And, and I think it's been huge. And both of them, well, Mike has done it for a long time, but Donovan, you know, pulls guys to the side when he sees something that, you know, could help them and help us win out there. And those guys have been instrumental, you know, even though they're on the sideline uh, with helping us win games. All right, Matt Coles, AP, is up next. Today you had it going offensively, and it looked like uh, you even had a few things to say to the opposition when you hit that last three to get your uh, to match your career high. What was going on? That what was working for you, and 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 what precipitated that technical? Uh, Matthew, um, I'm not sure that we know each other great quite yet. But, you know, I'm, I'm a, a good individual. I usually hold my emotions in. I just happen to lose my cool. That's not who I am or aspire to be. Um, no, I mean, there had something happened. I thought he had brushed me in the face on purpose. So I told him that he was too late, like he wasn't going to get to my shot anyway. And Mark Davis decided that that was uh, worthy of a technical. I understand it's a taunting, so there's really um, – nothing more that I can say about it. Cause I don't want to get fined again, but um, I think, you know, guys like Joe Rudy did a great job of manipulating, you know, Houston's ability to switch one through five, whether it was Rudy slipping to the rim or Joe pulling up from three or, or kicking to the weak side corner. Um, it allowed us to get off a ton of threes. And then when they were trying to press out on us, when we were shooting threes, we were getting, you know, layups at the rim. 
All right. Next up, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, George, kind of a two-part question. You said you're fatigued, you're tired. How tired are you? And then kind of where does that affect your game, you know, as a team especially? Um, you know, I, I would say we're fatigued, um, but uh, that shouldn't change the outcome, you know, of, of what, we're, what we're striving for. I think the biggest thing for us is you saw a lot of mental mistakes, right? We turned the ball over. That's not something that we tend to do. And I think sometimes – uh, down the stretch when we turn the ball over, that's kind of where the fatigue kind of sets in. It's the attention to detail. And, you know, with, I think it's five games left, you, you really, you really got to hone in on that and you can't afford to have too many of those lapses, especially, you know, with our schedule coming up with Golden State, Portland, you know, and then the last two with uh, OKC and Sacramento. So that's four games, right? Four. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I didn't get a degree in, in math in college. All right, last question, Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Andy did get a math degree, so he's got us all covered. Uh, George, Here we go. <laughs> well, you guys have won the most games of anybody on the second night of back-to-backs now in the NBA. What's the mental toughness? How was that factored into this year? And how has it grown since you've been on the team that's kind of allowed you guys to withstand stuff, especially a crazy season like this? Uh, ben, uh, you know, last year we put ourselves in a tough position, you know, um, with, I don't want to say being a six seed or, you know, whatever it is. And I think going into this year, we really realized, you know, where were we dropping games and, you know, not having the most focus and losing games where we should win. And I think going into this year is a big emphasis on our defense and, you know, winning the games that we're supposed to win and being and going in and competing at a high level and in those high level games that just like last night. So I think there was an emphasis on, you know, whether it was back to backs or, you know, uh, last games of road trips where, you know, this off season, you know, we get into the little time that we had with OTAs where, you know, you're, you're doing that last sprint and, and coaches are emphasizing, well, this is, you know, when you got to take it to the next level and, and win those games. Cause you know, now those games end up mattering where you dropped one early in the season to a team you shouldn't have dropped one to. And now it's messing up with seeding. So I think, you know, we really focused on that um, this off season with, you know, coach really drilling attention to detail. And I think that kind of simplifies it, you know, just having attention to detail, knowing that this is a back to back, you know, guys, legs are tired, you know, and getting out to a good start. Those things are important. There's George Niang, tied his career high with 24 points, tied his career high with six made threes. He was six of eight from three, nine of 12 from the field. Let's now wrap up player sound with Jordan Clarkson. All right, we'll start with Sarah Todd, Desert News. Hey, Jordan. Uh, since Donovan and Mike have been sidelined, um, the way that George described it, they've kind of been like a couple of assistant coaches over there on the sideline. Is that how you've experienced and what have they been like? Uh, yeah, definitely a lot of communication, a lot of talking that they've been doing. Um, Don today sat on the bench and, uh, was talking to the invisible team. Like he was coach, uh, like drawing them plays. Uh, but no, he's been all of them, both, both of them just been talking a lot, uh, communicating, um, telling us what they see on the floor, especially with me. Um, you know, coach been having me bring the ball up to court sometimes and, you know, I'm I'm kind of um, uh, kind of lost minded sometimes on what to call and what plays and stuff. So uh, those guys are always there to help. And uh, 
you know, tell me what they see. So it's it's been a, a good little experience for them to see how the flow of the game is going too. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Jordan. So you guys are down to four games left, left in the season. Tonight was the final back-to-back. Um, coming off a, you know, tough win last night. How much of what happened tonight, you know, kind of the little miscues in execution do you attribute just to, you know, fatigue at this point of the season? And, and how much are things that you feel like um, need to be cleaned up a little bit? Um, I mean, like you said, this season period has been tough. You know, a lot of uh, game, day, game, back-to-back game. You know, we, we definitely fatigue, but that's not nothing that we really looked at. You know, we tried to, um, you know, fight through that. After a big win, you know, kind of got a little like, I don't know if you want to call it a hangover, but you really like, we put a lot of energy into that game. Uh, wanted to win and then coming in, this is how, you know, sometimes you slip up on games and you lose these sometimes. Um, you see they was in the game with us, a uh, majority of it. Uh, we're playing hard and, and um, you know, making shots and, and defending. So um, it's definitely something we just had to really uh, fight through mentally um, and just keep pushing and uh, doing what we do. Um continue to communicate defensively. And, you know, that's how we, we uh, stuck out this win. But, you know, I ain't going to lie to you. This this season has been uh, grueling and tiring, but it is what it is. We came here to work. Um, this is what we're doing. And, uh, you know, we're trying to put out wins uh, when we step on the floor. Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Uh, Jordan, kind of following up on that, you guys get kind of a nice long break with the play-in tournament before the playoffs start. Are you looking forward to that or are you looking forward to the playoffs starting? Uh, I'm looking forward for the playoffs starting, Uh, but the break is going to be nice, you know, being able to get your body right, uh, knowing that you got to turn up the intensity, knowing that we got to put more time in, knowing that we got to, you know, go to the next level. I feel like it's a level that, you know, we trying to find and get that identity as a team. You know, we've, uh, been at the top all year in the regular season, but uh, I feel like it's another level, another notch that we got to turn it up um, once playoffs come to to be that championship team that we want to be. Um, and it all starts with, you know, playing with, at that level. Um, you know, winning a championship doesn't start from, um, you know, just coming in and saying that we're going to win a championship. It's got to you got to put the extra time in and, and do what you got to do. I never won one, but I've been to a finals and I know that all those dudes were locked in. Uh, they had us all locked in. So um, it's another level that we got to reach to get to that point. There's Jordan Clarkson, 21 points uh, coming in off the bench, 8 of 18 shooting. He had four assists and three rebounds. Up next for the Utah Jazz, they take on the Golden State Warriors tonight in San Francisco. Tip-off will be at 8 o'clock. Pre-game begins at 7. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, the Jazz wins, the Suns losing. We'll get to all of it next. Stay with us.